Welcome to the Selfish Mom Podcast, featuring real talk with busy moms who have no shame when it comes to their self-care. Today's guest has so many identities, but the one that stands out from her list is being a minister of rest. An amazing mother of two, my sweet friend Amani shares her thoughts on affirmations, corporate trauma, and the proven weekend formula of rest. Let's dive in. Hey, Amani. Hi, Grace. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for creating the time and space to chat with me today. I'm super excited to dive in to your background and your story to share with uh, the other selfish moms out there. But before we get started, I'd like to give you some time to share some information about yourself and more importantly, what keeps you busy? Oh, Grace, it's such an honor to be here and share space with you. I am so many identities. I feel like it is this intersectional world that we're living in, non-binary. And so um, on good days, I'm a ballerina and a fisherwoman and an entrepreneur. Um, On all days, I'm a lover. I am a mother. And um, I'm really a human just trying to sweeten humanity out here and share what I know uh, and what has served me well so that it can nourish neighbors around the world. Oh, I love that. And Imani, knowing you, uh, because we used to work together, I I agree with that de- definition of yourself wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. So tell me, yeah, tell me about who you are as a mother. Like, where are you right now in your season of motherhood? Yeah, so that is a great question. I, I feel like there's a little bit of liminal space happening right now. My lover and I, we have two girls and they are 10 and eight. And so they're in the space, um, what we call in kind of the spiritual world is like the soul's journey where Mm -hmm. spirit has been so prevalent and dominant in their lives Mm -hmm. up until this point. And and soon the oldest, my 10-year-old, her, her name is Paz, she'll be entering into adolescence or, or tweenhood mm. where um, soul will meet ego. And so mm. that'll be interesting as she kind of transitions up into middle school and learns more about herself and pursues her curiosities. Mm. I think it'll be beautiful to see and feel how how she evolves and so as a mother I'm just kind of waiting (laughs) (laughs) eagerly with anticipation of like what is this human gonna look and feel like nine months 12 months from now but um but otherwise this is a fun season for us we have probably well we haven't lived every season but we've we've been in the trenches we've been in um, trying to navigate everyday stress and working two very demanding jobs mm-hmm. on opposite schedules, one person working overnight, one person working during the day um, with with two little ones. And so as they've grown, 
they're just so fun. Like their little personalities, now big personalities, remind me so much of my grandmothers. Aww. They remind me so much of um, perhaps even folks I've never met, like my mother-in-law who I've never met because she's been deceased for over two decades. But it's so beautiful to see how they have little pieces of all of us. They're they're like walking quilts, you know? They're gathering kind of pieces from all of the DNA in our lineage. And so that's been fun to witness. <laughs> oh, that sounds, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm still raising very young kids. So 10 and eight, I can imagine that it's this cross section or intersection of they are, becoming more independent. So kind of the energy of like taking care of them is a little lower, but the energy to take care of them emotionally and spiritually and like still serve as a, a guide, that's amplified. That's what I'm hearing. A thousand percent. And that is my role. Um, my My husband, he is he allows us to survive. And so he feeds us. He tells us what we need to do every day. He is our provider and protector, quintessential provider and protector. And my role has been to uh, monitor and understand the the pulse of, of the heart um, mm. for the whole family. And so I'm feeling that like as they, as they emote. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I feel that wholeheartedly a lot more than I did when they were little. So, so let's, let's dive into that just a little bit. I want to hear what is the hardest part of being a mother now? I think, and specifically because I, I know you didn't call this out, but you have two daughters, right? So as a mother, I'm sure it's a little different raising daughters, right? And I'm a boy mom. So I, I, I want to understand like, What's the hardest part of that dynamic, raising daughters in this season of motherhood? Hmm. These are all gifts. I, I want to acknowledge that we were designed to be mothers. And so people have been doing this for centuries. Mm-hmm. So what feels hard to me may not feel hard to a seasoned mother, but I'm going through it. We're all in our journeys and there's no judgment. Thank you yeah. to the selfish mom. <laughs> um, but I do feel like, especially for little black girls, there is um, an epidemic of the lack of self-love out there. Mm -hmm. And um that's why I, I am enamored by movements that call for joy, that call for Black girl magic, that mm -hmm. elevate the vibration of um, just the power and majesty that they hold. And so as I try to help them navigate through conflict or even just self-discovery, doing that with love is probably one of the hardest me not me doing it with love but understanding that not everyone will love them in the ways that mm -hmm. I do yeah um, unconditionally allowing them to see me unconditionally love myself mm -hmm. 
have this unconditional acceptance as well. Like I am who I am and that is beautiful just as I am. And so I am nervous. I am admittedly very nervous about how the world will receive them. So self-love and I applaud you because I think as an adult, self-love is something that I'm still learning for myself. So to hear that you are intentionally teaching your daughters how to self-love, right? And to be aware of the different situations that they may be in in the future, right? And the different perspectives, the judgments, so to speak, right? That they may um, encounter. I think that's huge and that's incredible. For another mom that is listening in and that may be in that same type of situation, what exercises, what techniques, what tips, tricks, hacks, anything, what could you share with them that you have been practicing with your daughters that could potentially help them in their journey? Thank you for that. I think there are so many practices out there um, that you just learn organically and you understand like this resonates with one kid, but not the other. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you have to be strategic. Like you tell the oldest one and then they'll tell the little one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's some strategy in it. And I also recognize that a practice is a practice. Sometimes mm-hmm. a practice is not intended to be mastered. And so you're just cultivating it every day and you're doing the best that you can. One thing that we do is affirmations. Um, mm-hmm. As kind of cliche as that may sound, my my parents during uh, their blessing, we had a blessing for both of the girls that when they turned one, mm-hmm. which is maybe a similar tradition to the 100 day birthday celebration. Um, But when the girls turned one, we had a blessing in our home and our loved ones came around and we just blessed them to the universe, to God, to fully cover and and allow them to surrender whenever they so desired. And one of the the cards that my dad, who is beautiful, gave to both girls during both of their blessings was an affirmation card and on it and it's laminated and it has their name and on it it says i am kind i am loving i am giving i am fun i am playful i am a child of god so it has all these affirmations i didn't even name all of them but at the very end it says i am a child of god to know that you're just a piece of this universe Mm -hmm. and you're granted space and presence on it um that is one practice that we so often refer to. It's like, well, what's your affirmations? If somebody calls you out of your name or says something mean to you, well, what are your affirmations? You know your affirmations. Say you're saying them in the moment, in real time. Wow. Nobody can tell you who you are. You know who you are, right? And so that has been a practice that we constantly, it's a, it's a familial practice um, and it's one that they can easily tangibly refer to. I think there are other ones where we're in this learning journey. And so every morning I tell them, don't do anything. Don't get on that iPad, especially mm-hmm. in the summertime until you've nourished your mind, your body, and your spirit. And 
as as brief as that may happen, they still do it. So they drink a glass of water to make sure their body is replenished Mm -hmm. from the night's rest. Um, They do listen to a meditation or guide themselves, each other through a meditation. Um, And then they just talk to one another, play like they're already in, in this childlike nature and season for us showing them that we still have an inner child and we still love to play is also part of that. And so that's a part of love too. us, my, my lover, my husband and I showing each other love is part of self-love. Like I am okay. And I am ready to receive love. That's part of the self-love practice. Um, And then there's some other ones that I do with other family members, but for the girls specifically, it's really the affirmations, the prayers in real time, God be a breakthrough, God be a breath. Like they don't have to be long or extensive. It's just like these one-liners that they're able to um, remember throughout the rest of their lives, hopefully. Oh my goodness, Imani, that is so powerful. And I will share that, I've done affirmations before, but I've always practiced it like in the morning or at night, right? Like in the morning, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for anything that's going to come my way or I am worthy. I am loved. But to hear you put it in context of real time affirmation is something new to me, right? So to hear somebody to, to know that I can lean into affirmations when maybe something negative is happening to me in that moment in time or something is being negative spoken to me, I think that's a new thing that I'm I'm learning today. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. It's so necessary because trauma is real and it lives in the body. And so whenever you experience something negative too early, too soon, too fast. That's what trauma is. Um, You have to overcome it with a positive experience with 12 positive experiences. So if you're speaking to yourself, I am, I am, I am, you are becoming it. You're manifesting it. And so to have these off the shelf, (laughs) ready to go 12 affirmations to, to counter that one negative experience it it is a practice. It's a, it's a almost a formula for mm-hmm. restoring yourself. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start trying that. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So, could you tell me about a time when you realized that you needed to start focusing on your health and wellness for the sake of not only yourself outside of being a parent, but just you in totality, right? Yeah, there are what I call these existential crises that happen and force you to reimagine life. Mm. And The one for me that feels like it's been the most impactful or powerful is when I, um, I was 
getting my girls ready to go spend time with my parents over the summer. And I was doing a little body scan just to make sure that that's what girl moms do. They do these body scans just to make sure everything's okay. And, um, and I noticed that one of them had white skin and she's chocolate. She's a beautiful chocolate baby. And I was so mortified mm-hmm. that for months she'd gone on with this white skin that I had not even noticed. And while this is a a, a matronly or a mother moment, um, it was a self-reflective moment. I was, I knew I'd been working long nights, long weekends, early mornings. I knew I hadn't been paying attention uh, the way that I should have been to my family. And I thought it was seasonal. I thought it was mm-hmm. a seasonal sacrifice for some long-term gains. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember that morning calling my mom like expressing a sense of vulnerability to my mom because I I felt like I had nowhere else to go. And she comforted me and told me it was going to be okay. And uh, I called my doctor. I called the dermatologist, the pediatric dermatologist, who did a, a really quick assessment but said, had it lingered any longer, it could have been skin cancer. It oh could have developed into skin cancer. And that was the moment that I just recommitted to myself. I have to prioritize me and my family. Mm-hmm. Like no longer did I work early mornings or late nights at the expense of knowing who my girls were. Mm. And that came with a lot of fear. I thought there was going to be a lot of retaliation in the workplace for not going above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um I I was I was prepared to be fired. I was preparing myself to be let go. That's how anxious I was. Mm-hmm. And um and lo and behold, the less that I worked, the higher my bonuses became. Wow. It was the very intentional practice of time. <laughs> yeah. of, of just using the time in ways that are not only productive, but meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when I felt like, oh, my life can look and feel different. Yeah. I, if I am intentional about my time. Um, that was the moment that I was like, well, I need to sit still. I need to rest. And I did that for about three hours every morning. Uh for a quarter for about three months. And it was the best thing I'd ever done. So, so talk to me a little bit about rest, right? Cause I think just me hearing rest, I'm anxious, right? Cause I think we, we have similar, I guess, work environments, right? Where it's this idea of if you're constantly like creating output, producing work, being busy, right? Like you're working, you're doing, you're overachieving. So rest feels unproductive, right? So could you share what, what is that definition of rest? Because I know that there are different types of rest. Yeah, absolutely. So rest is the freedom 
to let your mind surrender to whatever it needs to. And it looks different for everyone. It could look like a walk. It could look like a bath. It could be physical sleep. Hmm. Uh, but it is countercultural. It is very countercultural. We live in a hyper productive, incentivized society. Mm-hmm. That's that's where we are. And so to adopt another way of being um, is feels foreign a bit. And um and it does come from indigenous practices. It's not new, rest it's not new. It's not a newfound thought or idea. It comes from the mother continent. It comes from the Philippines. I mean, it comes from all places, these indigenous practices and rituals of just be still, not to the end of, I want to be more productive. So I'm going to be still, but just be still because you are worthy. You're human. You were designed to connect with people, to build relationship, to find shelter and food, Mm -hmm. like just be there 24 hours in the day. And for most of that time, we don't just, we're not just being, um, and people often say we're human beings, we're not human doings. And so Mm -hmm. I love that phrase, this notion or philosophy of rest is really intended to grant us spaciousness so that we have the ability to dream. Some people don't even know what joy looks like or what it feels like in our bodies. Um, And so if we're attentive to just ourselves for a little bit of time every day, we can understand like, oh, I do love this, or I do want to engage with this person, which brings me joy and mm-hmm. have a break bread, you know, with them. Yeah. So creating the spaciousness to foster our dreams and to fulfill our dreams. That's what rest is. I love that. So you mentioned early on this thought of seasonality in kind of the busyness of work, right? And I think we all get that mindset, right? Where it's like, if I can just do this, then I can rest. If I can just get that bonus, then I'll rest. I'll take my family on vacation, right? This idea of like, I just need to get through the busyness and all of of life and then I'll take care of me. Why do you think people hold themselves back from resting? or taking care of themselves, specifically moms, right? Working moms at that. What, what do you think is the, the, the fundamental or one of the biggest reasons that prevents us from focusing on our, like, our health and wellness as mm-hmm. a, a priority in life? I think it's multiple reasons. I think for generations, our foremothers have done so much. I know my foremothers specifically built the country, nursed their own babies, nursed other people's babies who were uh, enslaving them, worked in hard labor out Mm -hmm. under the sun in fields. So had multiple jobs since the beginning of time after they were forced to come to this land and this soil 
And that chronic exhaustion passed down from generation to generation to generation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's some epigenetics there that folks might or might not be aware of. It's just inherent within us. So that's one reason people don't know the power of rest. I think the second reason is we don't see it modeled. Mm. As a society, we see the grind culture Mm -hmm. um, rewarded. And for folks like Beyonce or Oprah or, you know, whoever you might like, even a Michelle Obama, who happened to be in my dream last night, by the way, (laughs) um, you see them work really hard. Yeah. They're working really hard and, and you aspire to be great in your talent. And so you see these models in culture. Um, you don't see folks resting and being like, oh, yep, they got the, they got the life that they chose to live. They got their promised land. You don't see that. Representation matters. So mm-hmm. seeing it more, and I'm hopeful that we will see it more, um, especially in this post-COVID, post-COVID era, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that you know, we'll start to adopt these new ways of being. So that's the second reason. So it's epigenetics or this chronic exhaustion being passed down, plus the the culture um, and the tangible output of that. Mm -hmm. People just want more. Their deepest desires are more, Mm. just more. We live in this world of excess. And so if we were to, to really identify or define why do we want more, then we might um, question or have this healthy skepticism of, oh, maybe rest is okay and acceptable because I don't need more. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes so much sense to me. I know culturally, right, being a Filipino American, I didn't get Uh, I didn't see rest being modeled because it was always doing, right? Even if you had downtime, well, there's something you can do. You can sweep the floor, you can do laundry, you can, you know, study. There was always something else to do to, to, to really get to what you were saying is like to, to get to more like the next level. So resting has definitely been, I've been more intentional about creating the space to rest but i know you have created a physical space to allow people to intentionally rest tell me about that yeah huru um it's my baby who's my baby and um it's swahili for free and we were we launched shortly after the killing of george floyd um and after my kind of self-corporate trauma moment where I went on this journey of rest, and I very clearly heard spirit tell me, that's the other thing. And when you're when you're quiet and you're in the stillness, you can hear things the universe has been saying to you for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I very clearly heard spirit say, you have to go minister rest. And so I went on this quest to figure out like, what does that mean? I have to minister rest. How do I do that? (laughs) It it sounds so official. I have to minister rest. Tell me more. (laughs) Um, But what I did was I I really wanted to study it. I wanted to study it. I wanted to practice it. I wanted to practice it in community because 
the African proverb is, you know, you go farther together. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. We created, we, we studied at, at a, in a clinical psych program and um, just the power of stillness and the power of rest and created almost this programmatic experience where it's based on a clinical framework, food, activity, rest. It's the FAR methodology, food, activity, rest. It's adapted from physician, Dr. Matthew Adland. And we put that in a weekend scenario where we invited only one guest at a time to come and be guided through a journey of rest. And so from Friday evening to Sunday morning, we would feed you according to whatever inspires your palate. Mm -hmm. We would later guide you through a practice, which could be affirmations. It could be journaling. It could be prayer. It could be meditation. Um, So a, a repository of practices that we could pull from based on the guest's season in life and aspirations. And then we would invite the guests to rest. And that's the rhythm of the weekend. We feed you, we serve you, we guide you, you rest. Um, And that goes on from Friday evening to Sunday morning. And we really wanted to understand our hypothesis was if folks have an individualized, highly personalized, concentrated experience with rest, they will change their behavior. So they won't have to go through an existential crisis like I did. Mm. They'll actually feel the positive impact of it in the moment, in this weekend. And and that's what we've done. We've, um, since September of 2020, every weekend, we've hosted one guest at a time, invited them into the space to really support their needs and desires. And it's been great. And we have measured behavior change. Are you learning anything while you're here? Are you applying what you've learned and reintegrating that back into your everyday life? And 91% of our guests say yes. And so that's powerful. That's our biggest metric. I mean, you know, we have all these other metrics, but that is our golden metric that we really hold true to. And we're so excited to scale. Um, We're currently based in DC and in Topanga Canyon, but we're excited to explore Joshua Tree, explore uh, the, the east side of Long Island, New York. Um, explore some space in New Orleans, some very spiritual markets. And so um, we want to ensure that this experience can be accessible for more folks than just those who live in the DMV. Wow. 91% have changed their behavior after experiencing a highly concentrated form of rest. In Huru. Yeah. That's amazing, Amani. I mean, I know I am raising my hand right now saying I need I need one of these weekends where all I do is show up and I am fed, mm-hmm. nourished. I am doing an activity that supports me mentally and physically, and then just gives me the time to rest. Yeah, absolutely. You deserve it. You are worthy. Just because you are alive, you are worthy. Oh, thank you for that. So we started off by you sharing that what was the hardest thing about motherhood. I'd love to end our conversation with hearing from you. What is the best thing about being a mom? 
oh my gosh, I mean, everything to see, just to be a witness to their imagination, just to be a witness to sit back and watch them create. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. I love the creation. I love the creation, their dances, their choreography, the stories that they write, the films that they make, the the food, the dishes, the meals that they make. I love it. I love, I'm such a fan. (laughs) I'm such a fan to see them in their highest vibration of like, this is my element. Here's how I'm going to create. I love watching them create. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. And, and you know what, I, I see it. And again, I've, I've had the privilege to work with you. So I've kind of seen the evolution of Omani, right. To see you in this state of peace, clarity, and calm, like that energy is being transferred to your children, to your family. And I feel it. So I think rest is definitely the key and the antidote for, I think you called it earlier, your corporate trauma, corporate anxiety, and really just getting more focused and, uh, you know, clear on where you need to be spending your time and energy. So thank you so much for, for sharing some nuggets from your season of motherhood and just sharing the importance of rest. How can uh, all the other moms uh, get in touch with you or learn more about Huru? Yeah. Thank you, Grace. Thank you for this space. Feel free to email me, Imani, I-M-A-N-I, at huru.space, or you can follow us on Instagram uh, at huru underscore space. We'd love to connect. We'd love to be in community with you. Thank you, Imani. Thank you, Grace. It's been a pleasure. I hope my conversation with Imani inspired you to prioritize your rest and self-care. My key takeaways are, number one, an affirmation is a formula for restoring yourself. So keep a few affirmations in your back pocket when you need a reminder. You know who you are, and nobody can tell you who you are. Number two, Chronic exhaustion is passed on to each generation. So let's model rest to teach the next generation how to adopt a new way of being. After all, we are human beings, not human doings. And number three, rest comes in different forms. It could look like a walk, a bath, or physically going to sleep. But whatever rest looks like to you, remember that Resting allows you to create the time and space to foster and fulfill your dreams. If you want to learn how to integrate rest into your daily life, check out Huru, that's H-U-R-U, to get a custom and concentrated experience of rest delivered through food, activity, and rest. You can connect with Imani by emailing her at imani at huru.space. That's Imani spelled I-M-A-N-I at H-U-R-U dot space. Or you can connect with her on Instagram at Huru underscore space. 
Being a selfish mom is a mindset and a lifestyle. To get your head in the right mind space, I invite you to download my free mom mindset makeover at theselfishmom.co forward slash mindset. Thank you for listening to the Selfish Mom Podcast. I hope you tune in for another episode next week.